that illustrates how we all deal with temptation, isn't, doesn't it? Some of us, we get tempted and we immediately say, I'm not even going to fight, I'm just giving in right now. And I admire that, that child that simply, the guy walks out the room and it looks like he says, well, I'm in. You know, he starts eating it. And then what I found really funny was he was cleaning up after himself. Thing going, this is amazing. Then you have the other child who put his nose there and then he scooted the chair, scoots the chair back, scoots it back in, and he's getting ready to eat it just as the guy comes in and he's shocked. All of us do something like that. One of these ways we deal with temptation. And, and Jesus is genius. He puts that in the middle of this of this powerful prayer, and I invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 as we look at this passage again, and then after we read through this, we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 4 and, and hear what, he has, what the writer of Hebrews has to say there. But, but listen to what this says. Jesus so appropriately says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then we read these words in Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse, starting at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Father, we pray as we come into this time of looking at your word and, and dealing with this, with this ongoing battle that every single one of us has, this battle of temptation. It's my prayer that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our minds that we may understand, and open our hearts that we would be real with who you are, with who we are, and our incredible need for a Savior who took on every temptation, yet was without sin. Lord, may you receive all glory. May no one hear anything I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear. And may we continue to turn to you, that you would be our center, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, he, Jesus, says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and this, this phrase is always, it's, it's, I always find it perplexing. It's almost as if Jesus is saying that, hey, we're going to put this in the prayer here, and the way it's worded, it seems to be that, that God will, tent, will, will send us into areas of temptation. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and so, and perhaps you're like me, and you're wondering, why would this phrase be the way it is? But yet there's something else going on here, and it's something that, that we need to address because there's a myth out there, and we're going to bust this myth right now. 
There's a myth out there, and what is a myth? The myth is, is, and you'll see it on the screen, a myth is any invented story, idea, or concept. Some time ago, and I don't know when this myth came into existence, but it's been around for a long time, and the myth goes like this. God does not give us anything more than what we can handle. There's this myth out there that, that God will only give us a certain amount and everything else, you know, he would never give us more than we could handle. Let me say this very clearly, and I'm going to show us and, and I'm going to walk through some of this stuff with us. There is a great deal that happens in our lives that we cannot handle. Two sentences prior to this particular statement, lead us not into temptation, two sentences prior, Jesus says this, give us today our daily bread. We even ask God to provide for us every single day. What does that say? It says this, by us asking for daily bread, what it means is it says an awful lot about the fact that we can't even handle life normally. We're crying out to God to provide our daily bread. Let that sink in. We can't even provide our own stuff. We can't even provide it on our own. We are completely dependent on him. And so this myth that God won't give us anything that we can't handle, it's just not accurate. It's not true. And I want, to, I want to just go through a list of things, and I want you to list the things in the Bible, and I want you to answer this question or, or ponder this question, do you think these people had more than they could handle? The first is this, Moses, dealing with Pharaoh, the Israelites, and his own insecurities. You can read about this throughout the entire book of Exodus. Second one is this, Deborah. Conquering the kings, the king of Canaan. Here's a woman in the Old Testament God's using to help conquer the king of Canaan. You can read about that in Judges chapter 4, verse 5. Many of us know the story of David facing Goliath, and even if we don't read the Bible, it's talked about so often every year when the underdog can, can beat this person that, that they had no, no business beating. But David facing Goliath. Yes, he says, I'm going into this with great confidence, but yet, based on his own devices, David was handling, was having an, an experience of something far more than he could handle. In the book of Nehemiah, we find out that Nehemiah rebuilds the wall in 52 days. A wall that was essential for the protection of God's people. Nehemiah was given this humongous task, and yet he does it because God's with them. The book of Esther, talking about Esther rescuing the Israelites from certain annihilation. She stands in the void. She stands in the gap. Her uncle Mordecai says this, if it's not going to be you, then it'll be someone else, and perhaps for such a time as this, you're in this situation right now was far more than she could handle. Then we move to the New Testament, and you see this group of 12 guys that has no business being with, the, being with the God, being with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, but yet these 12 guys, who were not the sharpest tools in the shed, who didn't make it through rabbi school, actually every rabbi looked at them and said, 
we're moving on with some other people because you guys aren't going to cut it. The apostles actually get to go out and heal people. The apostles. This group of individuals that no one had much faith in. Then you go to Matthew chapter 14. Peter walks on water. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen many people walk on water. I think that's beyond what we can handle. Yes, he goes under, but yet Peter walks on water. Let that sink in. Then we move into the book of Acts. Up until this point where, where Paul and Barnabas come into play, up until this point, the only people that, were, that, that thought that they needed to have this great news of Jesus Christ were the Jews. Well, Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13 share this amazing passion that they have for sharing God's grace with the Gentiles. A group of people that the Jews had said, we don't want to have anything to do with. Paul and Barnabas, led by God, go in and risk everything to share God's grace with the Gentiles. Then you go to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation. John pens these words while in exile on the island of Patmos. And these words are so powerful, and they ring with hope. Now I asked you earlier, do you think these people had more than they could handle? The answer, in my opinion, is this. They most certainly did. This myth that God does not give us more than what we can handle is a myth that is completely busted based on God's word. He's there all the time. All the time he is there. All the time he's walking with us. Yes, life happens. And yes, there are difficulties that happen in all of our lives. But yet God says, turn to me. And I'm going to walk you through it. And when Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, what he's driving at here is this, is that, Lord, we don't want to be put in a situation where we are tempted to fail. We are tempted to walk away from you. And we need to pray that God will take care of us as we face temptation. Why is that important? It's important because of this. Because temptation is right there all the time. Temptation does not take a Sabbath. Temptation is right there all the time. In your Bibles, I invite you to turn to James chapter 1. We're going to look there for just a few moments. And, and, and I want to give us a common sense tip. And it's this. Don't go looking for temptation. It will find you. So often people say, you know what, I know I shouldn't be going into this situation, but I'm just going to see if I can handle it. Here's some ideas for you. Well, here's the big idea for you. Don't go down a path like that. Don't even enter into that area. The Bible is very clear. It says, flee, run, get away. But hear me clearly on this. There are three areas where we are tempted all the time. The first is this, the world tempts us in so many different ways. The world's ways are radically different, radically opposed to what Jesus Christ wants to do. The world says, think only of yourself first. Jesus Christ says, if you want to be great, think of others first. Serve. Second one is this, the enemy, the devil. Hear me clearly on this as well. He really doesn't like you. As a matter of fact, we're told in John chapter 10, 
The devil is, is around to only do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. I don't hear anything in that job description of the enemy that says, wow, he's on my side. And the last one, and probably the biggest, biggest proponent that we have to battle with when it comes to temptation, is ourselves. It's real easy to point the finger and say, well, they did this, and so I needed to do that. They caused this, or the devil made me do it. All these different types of things. But left to our own devices, we tempt ourselves really well. We seem to have an advanced degree in this, as a matter of fact. The temptations to only look out for ourselves are right there all the time. But we read these words in James chapter 1, verse 13, and we read this, and, and I think it's important for us to understand this, that, that temptation is not sin. Listen to this, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. You see what I'm saying? God does not tempt anyone. We can't sit there and say, well, God, you tempted me to do this. Look at verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away, and notice the next phrase, by their own own evil desire and enticed. James, the brother of Jesus, says, temptation happens and it's on you. It's your desire. He doesn't say the devil. He doesn't say this. He says it's your own evil desire. And then look at verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full of grown, gives birth to death. Why do we flee temptation? Because if we don't flee temptation, it leads us to places that we never thought we should go. That's why. James gives us what I like to call the domino effect. Temptation, then we submit to the, we, we give in to the temptation, and it leads to disaster. Talk to every person who's battling something, is battling, battling some type of, of temptation at that particular moment in their lives, and they will tell you this, that it is never ending. Everybody in this room, if we were during the meet and greet time, and, and, and perhaps we, we should do meet and greet again, and we should look at each other, and, and instead of just saying, hey, how are you, we could look at each other and say, hey, I'm being tempted right now to do this. Hey, I'm being tempted right now to do that. Everybody has a temptation that they're battling. It's happening all the time. It happens to everyone. Every person that you meet is battling some type of temptation. And I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And one of the powerful things about temptation is this, is that temptation wants us to believe that we're the only ones battling this. It's part of what makes temptation so strong, is that we think that we are the only ones battling. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. What a powerful line. 
The temptation that you're battling right now is not, is not some unique situation. The temptation you're battling right now is something that everybody goes through or has experienced. And God doesn't leave it there because right there would be a really bad place to leave it. Look what he says. He says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And that, that, that sort of, that's an interesting thing. He knows that he's with us. He's going to take care of us. And yes, there are things that are going to happen in our lives that are beyond what we can compare. But what he's driving at is this, is that we can bear it because, the next part, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He provides everything necessary to be out of it. And one of the things that I love about the Lord's Prayer is this, is is how the Lord's Prayer gives us an accurate assessment of ourselves. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus could could have gone a different route here, but yet he says, lead us not into temptation. What Jesus is driving at is that we are weak people. The Bible is one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate assessment of the human human condition than any document that's ever been written. It does not veer away from helping us realize that we are not all that we think we are. We struggle. We have issues. And we are nowhere near as strong as we think we are. Every single day, we battle temptation. Every single day. All of us have people in our lives that have battled temptation and have said, you know what, I'm done battling, I'm going to give in. And they go down these paths of destruction and they end up in a place they never thought they would be. And perhaps that's even you. You've just said, I'm giving up, I can't do this, I can't handle all this temptation, I'm giving up, I'm going down here. Hear me clearly on this, you still have hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. You still have, it's not over, the final chapter has not been written. The final chapter is this, is that Jesus Christ has come to rescue us. He knows how hard it is, he knows how difficult it is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What Jesus is doing here is saying, God, we need your help in the midst of the battle. In the midst of everything that we're going through in life, we need your help right now. And as I was working on these messages over the last number of weeks, I I came to understand this, that, that this prayer, yes, it's a powerful prayer, But yet this prayer also points to the answer to this prayer. And we'll get to that in a few moments. So we read, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you have your Bibles open, flip back to Matthew chapter 4, just a couple pages. And listen to this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I've said this before about this passage. I I love the fact that Matthew lets us know that Jesus was hungry after not eating for 40 days. As if we need clarification. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, 
Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Throughout history, God's people have always battled temptation. And God's people have always given in to temptation. There's a single moment, and you can read about it in Genesis chapter 3 for the first scene of this, where the people were, the humanity, Adam and Eve, were told, hey, you can have everything except this. Don't go that route. And in Genesis chapter 3, what do we find out? Humanity says, we're going that route. We're giving in to temptation. God's people and temptation are something that it's an ongoing battle. And as you read through the Old Testament, as you see human history unfold before you, you see again and again and again and again and again that temptation happens and God's people submit to it all the time. And what we just read in Matthew chapter 4, many people sit there and say, well, see, this is, this is a formula for helping us deal with temptation. We need to know God's Word. Yes, it's true. We need to know God's Word. But that's not the big picture here. The big picture is this, is that Jesus dealt with temptation and was victorious. And these three particular temptations were what God's people had been wrestling with since Genesis chapter 3. The first is this, they doubted God's provision. Notice the first temptation. The devil says, turn these stones into bread. And by the way, remember, because Matthew told us, Jesus is hungry. So I want you to turn these stones into bread. Jesus says, not going that route. Man lives, man shall not live on bread alone, but only by God, what comes out of the mouth of God. The Israelites, through their 40-year history in the wilderness, were constantly doubting God's provision. Jesus says, I don't doubt his provision at all. And not only did they doubt his provision in the wilderness, the Israelites were constantly testing God. The second one is the test. The second temptation that Satan throws at, at, at Jesus is, hey, throw yourself off this high point and, 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 and lean on these angels. They'll take care of you. And Jesus' response is, don't put the Lord your God to the test. The Israelites were constantly testing God. They weren't, they weren't trusting in Him. They weren't believing in Him. And they were constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and saying, we want you to do this, this, and this. Je Jesus says, don't test God. And then the last one's the big one. As you read through the Old Testament, you see the Israelites constantly giving in to idolatry over and over and over again. And here Satan says to them, hey, worship me and you can have everything. 
Satan doesn't have a very good look on the broad view of who Jesus Christ is. Because Jesus Christ has already created everything. He sustains everything. There's nothing that Satan could offer that's going to come anywhere close to what Jesus Christ already had. So Jesus Christ looks at the idolatry. Jesus Christ looks at, the, at doubting God's provision of testing God and the idolatry. All these temptations that the people Israel had constantly, constantly given into. And Jesus stands firm and Jesus is victorious. Why is this important? It's important because Matthew's gospel is written to the Jews. And what, what Matthew is doing at the beginning of his gospel is proving that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the embodiment of what Israel was supposed to be. And you, Israel, you the people of God, have tested God, you've doubted God, you've worshipped other things, and I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is the Messiah who won't test God, who doesn't doubt God, and who will bow down to no one. He is the Messiah that you desperately need. And as we look at, Je- at Matthew chapter 6 and you read through this prayer, I reached this conclusion this week, is that Jesus Christ is the answer to this prayer. Jesus brought glory to the Father. The opening line, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus Christ's entire life brought glory to the Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ brought God's kingdom to earth. Jesus Christ did the Father's will. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus Christ provides for all our needs. We're told in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ right now is interceding for us. At this very moment, He's interceding for us. He's providing for everything. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus Christ's blood brings forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus' resurrection shows that he conquers the evil one, that he conquers death, that he conquers everything that comes his way. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the answer to this prayer. He's the embodiment of what this prayer is all about. He's the one that we desperately need. The Lord's Prayer points our attention not to us and our prayers. It points our attention to Jesus Christ and all that He has done. In Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse, excuse me, starting at verse 14, the writer of Hebrews states this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of sin who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And I love this next line. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted... Being tempted is not easy. Jesus Christ understands that. He suffered. He dealt with it. But notice what it says. He is able to help those who are being tempted. 
Jesus Christ is able to help those who are being tempted. He understands the battle. He understands that we're in over our heads. He understands our weakness, and yet He is there, and He made it through. And if we have any doubts at all that He made it through, we pick these words up in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Whatever your temptation is right now, know this, that Jesus Christ was tempted that way as well. He understands the entirety of the human condition. There is no temptation that you and I are facing that he doesn't understand. And he experienced it. He experienced it in every way, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All of us are in need right now. We're battling. It's not gonna it's not going to it's not gonna end anytime soon unless Jesus comes back, which would be really great and I and, and he will come back. I hope it's I hope it's within the next thirty seconds. But when temptation comes, turn to Jesus, the one who overcomes. Turn to Jesus. Because when we turn to Jesus, we're reminded that we're not alone. When we turn to Jesus, we're reminded that he was tempted just as we are and was stronger than we are and is stronger than we ever will be. When we turn to Jesus, we find that he provides the grace necessary to give us what we need in the battle. When we turn to Jesus, we lean not on ourselves, we lean on the one who overcame every temptation and stands before God right now, seated actually, at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I because he knows this, that we need a Savior and we need one who can handle our temptations and walk with us as we deal with our temptations and we can lean on him to provide the grace necessary when we submit and give in to those temptations. Jesus says, I'm here with you. I forgive you. Let's keep moving on. Let's keep moving forward. I'll give you the strength to keep battling. Jesus Christ will not let us down. And all of us battle temptation. And Jesus Christ says, Turn to me, and I will give you rest. And I will walk with you through this. So I ask you this morning right now, what's the temptation that you're battling? What's the issue that's going on within you where you're doubting whether or not Jesus Christ can pull you through? What is that issue that will never ever leave you what's that temptation we turn to Jesus and we say you're all I've got Father we pray as we reflect on these words we thank you first and foremost for Jesus Christ and for the fact that he came and he understands every single temptation that comes our way he understands them all And he did not sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. And Lord, I know that in this room, 
that there are many of us, if not, well, frankly, all of us, are struggling with some type of temptation right now. And we ask that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to not turn to us rescuing ourselves, but that we would turn to you, the one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. We ask that we would turn to you and say, Lord Jesus, give me the grace I need to keep moving forward. I pray for those who are in this room right now that are tired of fighting, that are tired of of battling the temptation. I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would breathe hope, would breathe a good word into their lives, letting them know that they're not alone, letting them know that you're there to to carry them through whatever's coming their way. And we pray that we would lean on you and your grace to rescue us in our time of need. We pray that we would lean on you to be the victorious one in our lives. So Lord, do your work and help us remember that we're not alone in this battle and that you will lead us through it and you will give us the victory because of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing a song, and, and uh, so I'm going to invite the, the uh, worship team to come back up. And, and as we sing this song, may we reflect on what we've heard, but more importantly, may we continue to fix our eyes, not on us, but on him. So I invite you to stand as we sing.